podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Redsbet are the gambling company uh, built around Liverpool supporters who give 50% of their profits back to supporter-based initiatives uh, around Liverpool Football Club. Wherever you are in the world as well, different supporters clubs have their own sort of hookup there right the way through. You can find all of the information on their website, redsbet.com. Uh, but do be aware that, you know, gambling, we're not trying to force people who don't currently do so to do it. Instead, the idea is that if you do, uh, think about doing it with Redsbet. Um this is the Anfield Wrap this week. I've just got off a plane from the United States to come and talk to Dan Austin, Ian Salmon and Adam Melia. Uh, How long ago was the, the, the? When did you get off the plane? The plane landed at nine and we recorded this at one. God, what a soldier. Uh, just, uh, just, I live for content. I'm a, I'm a messy bitch who lives for content. This is indeed, in fact, take that, that be your takeaway message from the Anfield Wrap this week. You're basically the shark equivalent in content. If a shark stops swimming, it dies. Exactly. If I stop, There's no content. If I stop producing content, Ian, God knows what will happen. Uh, I'll, just have to, I'll just have to sit sit in a corner and rock backwards and forwards. Uh, but there's lots to talk about uh, in that the game against United, Ian. It was only pre-season, uh, but we did look in, in good shape. And the thing I took from it was, when I talk about shape, I actually mean the tactical shape of the side. I thought that you could see, whether you've even seen the goals, whether you've seen the highlights, whether you watch the whole game, whether you watch the whole game in the stadium, I think to see how Liverpool attack and to certainly see it against a really blunt, miserable-looking Manchester United, mm. there's a comparison there in that everyone knows the job, everyone knows the role, and the attacking shape's really impressive. Before I talk about that, can I just say, and this might sound a bit like patting yourself on the back of the organisation, but I wasn't in America. I wasn't part of this. I've been a listener and a viewer. The content that's come over the last week has been absolutely astounding. It's been absolutely brilliant work by everybody involved. The raising money for the food banks is magnificent. There's there's people in America who have actually done something that affects people's lives in North Liverpool. The fact that Andy Robertson and Adam Lallana have been so good about that, the fact that there's been so much input back from the squad, and I know we'll obviously talk about that later, but the work that you guys have done over there ah. has been absolutely brilliant. Very nice. Ian, excellent. You can come, come next week. It's got to be said. Um, yeah, the, the game itself. Obviously, what I've seen is the highlights. I've seen... Um, seen quite a bit of extended highlights of it and we do look we look with everybody on the pitch we look fluid we look like we know what our roles are we look sharp we look committed we look focused the fact that you've got um Manchester United is usually very balanced considerate um and reasonable manager whinging more than you've ever seen him whinge in his entire whinging existence about the fact it's our kids against Liverpool's first team. Really, well, really crying it in before. Really, oh yeah, all, all the way through. He's got his excuses ready all over the place. My 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 owners won't buy me these players. Well, he bought you a few players last year, mate, and the year before, and the year before. You're in your third year doing what you're doing. You every third year that you do, you're whinging. Um, but talking about his players being kids and ours being a first team, despite the fact that ours are a year younger than his on average, and he had a lot of experienced players there. The fact that we could take them apart, and the thing that you see from the highlights, I was looking at going, are these highlights biased, or were United really this appalling? Because we look an incredible attacking force all over the pitch. Our, our shape looks fantastic. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be. What I loved, when, when I first saw the Shakiri um, highlights, those little reverse balls round the corner, round his man. Uh, and when you see see the lads up front, you see, uh, I know we're going to come on to talk about um, Mo and Sadio, but when you see their movement and the way they're arriving in the box and how threatening they are, we look incredible. There's a confidence oozing from us 
there's there's a feeling oozing from this team at the moment that everybody's stepped up a level. Everybody's enjoying playing football for this manager with their mates. I think it's emblematic. We, you know, we may not have Shea Ojo in a week, but you look at a lad who's confident enough to take that penalty, to take a penalty away from storage and deliver it in that level of ability against, again, it might only be a friendly. There are no friendlies against Manchester United. You want to destroy them every time they're on the pitch. And we took them apart and we did it convincingly. We, we look magnificent again. In front of 100,000 people as well, Adam. And again, I think that the it is a pre-season friendly and it's important to say that, but it is also important to say, firstly, as Ian says, you know, friendlies against Manchester United, not entirely sure about that, number one, but also number two, to play in front of 100,000 people on that. You, you, as any footballer, as any any person really, you know, when you're suddenly aware of the scale of the thing that you're doing, Again, that Liverpool had that sort of collective assurance. It's it's just promising that this is a side that doesn't look doesn't look scared, doesn't look cowed by anything. I think I think we're going about our business really, really well this summer. Uh, it's the, it's the best preseason I can remember. I think in terms of how professional we look, and, and obviously the business that we've done as well. I think you think it looks really good, and I think that you could see that contrast between us and United before the game. As I say, the way they approached it was quite negative, and you know there were there was there was some complaining, and um, you know to, to sort of all, all the different all the different ways that that Mourinho can mow, and he sort of tried them all beforehand. And I think that 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 came across um, in the. T- I thought it was a game of two halves. Actually, I thought I thought the first half was quite typical preseason fair um, in those kind of. Uh, big games that we have against big opposition but in a pre-season it did feel like one of them to me um, I, th- I thought that we were I thought that we were the better team and I did think it, it almost did look like the men against boys sort of thing that, that Mourinho was saying it was going to we looked like we were controlling things and uh, and, and, and that we we were probably we had another gear to go up yeah. we were we were attacking where we wanted to but you know there wasn't that kind of breaking your neck to get to everything that um, that, that, that will be once the season starts Um I thought really interestingly, once the second half started, Shakiri comes on at half time, and I think that's probably the thing that 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 makes the most difference in terms of linking up midfield. We had some good midfielders on, we had some good attackers on in the first half, but it there was that that there was it, it was it was a it was a long pass, and then and then like I said, a not full throttle chase in the first half to me, and I think Shakiri's introduction really did make a difference. He was much more number ten than I was expecting him to be, um, and and I think that basically from 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 then on, it's just I, and I didn't even really think about it because I didn't think about United much. I don't. Don't you know? I wasn't. I wasn't paying too much attention to how many subs they made. For example, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but they didn't. They didn't threaten, and they they looked like it was, and it, it started to look like a matter of time. And and you know, so it so it showed. Um, and 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 I think then as every time it, it was it was it was really good to see because sometimes it isn't like this. But every time we made a sub, it made us stronger. Does Dan go with Adam's first point there? We know that there's an ideal world where Jurgen Klopp would prepare for a season which would involve taking lads to a German forest and having them eat bugs. And that's what they'd be doing. And they'd be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it would be away from prying eyes, um, away from the... Away from away away from crowds. To be honest with you, it will be very much. But this we're here to work. He's referred to this week that they're currently going to have in France as his week. You know, which tells him tells again that story. And yet, there is a comparison in the, those demeanours. Uh, I spoke to, um, and he re- he's written a really good piece about it. Andy Mitten, uh, who's the editor of United, we stand afterwards, and one of the things he was sort of saying to me was that 
that Liverpool collectively are sort of embracing where they are with, with with a huge amount of bounce, and there's a comparison there with United, um, who you know who, who seem determined not to, and it may well be that listen, doesn't it? it may well be that United's approach ends up being right. It may well be that there's another siege mentality thing that's that's nailed in. It may well be that Mourinho ends up getting things about right uh, because he's done it before, and it's important to say that it's important to be always remember the trophies that he's won. But Liverpool, as I say, Klopp, this isn't ideal for Klopp, but it is. It's gone about the way the business has gone about in every single sense. Is well, we're, we're not just going to make the best of this. We're going to make this great. I think it might not be ideally what he wants from a sports science point of view or a physical point of view, but I think that psychologically it actually fits into a lot of what he's about. If you look at the reaction to him and from him on the tour, you know, there's all the videos of him just, just you know, having a laugh with yous and then and then the stuff with Jamie Webster and, and he just seems to be enjoying himself and the squad do too in comparison with Mourinho saying that there's absolutely no way he'd pay money to go and watch that friendly. Um, it's it's clear that there's just a very different vibe around both of them and, and Liverpool is a much more fun place to, to be involved, whether it's as part of the squad, the management or simply as a supporter at the minute. And I think that when... When we got to the European Cup final and, and, and when we lost the European Cup final, we all sort of felt determined that that wasn't going to be the end of that momentum, that that was the start of something and, and not the end and you don't start again. Um, and it seems like they've just attempted to carry that on to me. I know that quite a few of them have been away for the World Cup, but it, it's not that long a gap since Kiev. It was pretty much early June that, they've all, that they will all have left. And it seems like they've come back with the same attitude. No one seems downhearted. Um, and it just seems like there's... Just more togetherness about Liverpool. And I know that that's not something that in and of itself wins you the trophy. But I, I would look at both of those squads and think, well, one of them is really looking forward to playing competitive football again. And I'm not sure that the other one is. And as you say, I'm, I'm sure that most Mourinho teams don't really look forward to it or don't enjoy the preseason in the same way that another side would. And it might well turn out that, that they can just get their heads down when August starts, win some games. The, the real first choice players that are still missing from them come back and they just sort of trundle along. But I think that. Just no matter what, everything that comes out of it, whether it's the actual on-pitch stuff or just interviews that they do, there's there's a real decision between everyone that's involved with Liverpool having a laugh and enjoying themselves, apart from the bit where they were doing the NASCAR stuff and they look bored shitless. Um, <laughs> everything else, they look like they were having the time of their lives. Um, in comparison with United, where, I mean, the stuff that he said as well about... Um, about Sanchez afterwards, and, and you know, you get that you defend your, your most important players and stuff, but... The stuff he was saying about, well, he's not getting any service from anyone else, what you'd expect him to be like when he's playing with these lads. Surely that just pisses all his other players off. That, that and then, do you think he wants to play with these players? Exactly. That's the most disgraceful thing I've ever heard him, you say. And then there's there's obviously the immediate reaction of that of, well, you know, does he think I'm any good? Why is he saying stuff like that? But then if he says stuff like that on a consistent basis, if he leaves the likes of Rashford and, and Martial out, I, ju- I just imagine that there's a point where no matter how much you respect the fella... And, and know that he's won loads in his past and, and could do well for you for your career. You just look at him and think, I can't be asked with you anymore. I would. It's to go back to us and what we're doing well, Ian. Uh, Shakiri was mentioned there. Uh, second half as well. I thought both Shakiri and Sturridge had a hugely positive impact uh, on what was what was going on on the pitch. I think that you know Sturridge. It's a lovely goal, uh, the way the two of them link up. And it's a lovely goal, but partially because it will be easy for Shakiri to do something selfish. He doesn't. He brings Sturridge into play. But also the sheer assurance of Sturridge passing it to the back of the net. There's a reason why you don't actually see a lot of finishes like that. It's because you've got to be very, very confident and very, very aware and a very, very good player to be able to pull it off. 
Yeah, the, the finish itself, I mean, it was mentioned on the pink, the fact that, as you just said, if he were at Stoke, Shakiri would think that's his job to score the goal there. He has to do something incredible to score the goal. We know, obviously, he goes on and does something incredible. But at that point, he has to. It's not because he can see a lad that he knows he's going to. The finish itself, I mean this in the best possible way, it's almost lazy. It's almost, there's so little effort put into that finish. There's so little backlift. It just, it just trundles it into the net. Again, that sounds derogatory. It's a fantastic goal because he knows it's going in. He's, he's, he knows there's not an issue here. This is a goal. And it, again, it's something that Daniel Sturridge, we know for a fact, has in his locker. He knows what he's doing. When he's in front of goal, he knows how clinical he is. He knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. And it was perfect storage again. And once again, I'm another one who every summer, I'm going to fall in love with Daniel Sturridge all over again. And I just pray to every god that you can list that we can keep him fit all, all year. Because if we can keep Daniel Sturridge fit all year... We've got a world-class finisher on our hands. We don't need to go out and buy another player because Daniel Sturridge will do the job. The reality is we don't know whether we can we can trust his body to do the job. But at the moment, he looks comfortable with it. Obviously, the sports science guy seems to be comfortable with it. He's done quite a bit of work pre-season and he looks sharp on it. He looks like the athlete that we know he is. And that combination between him and Shakiri at the moment, as, as Jürgen said, for Shakiri to come in and understand how we play after four days, there looks like there's a link between these two lads. There's, I mean, it strikes me again when we've talked about Kite's link, link with Sturridge. Uh, you do get the impression Sturridge might actually be quite happy to have some lads. He feels as though he can, he can bag see the links on first, Adam. Um, it's. I like how we just didn't play Kite, by the way. I know he had a stiff neck, but it did feel a little bit like, well, we'll keep that bit. You know, we'll keep we'll keep him back for a bit because you know, just I feel like he might be that good that we, we don't, don't need him. Stay don't need. We don't. Yeah, we don't need. We don't need to show Man United this one yet. I, I, I'm with that 100%. Yeah, I think uh, there was a bit of that. In it. And there was definitely a bit of that. You know, stiff neck from a plane. I don't think that sustains through 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 that length of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, my I suppose it, it, just to carry on Ian's point slightly, just kind of uh, temper it a bit, is that I think I wonder to myself whether because I feel like every summer we kind of come out of the summer thinking we're well stocked here on our bench, and then as the season wears on, we aren't. And I wonder whether that is the storage factor. So when I think about our bench and I think, okay, if we had a Champions League final now, here's the bench. I'm kind of taking storage out in my head and thinking, is that still good? Just because I feel like he sort of, he, he stacks things, he, he, he puts the balance of our squad into a positive where we've, and I'm not saying this to be to be insulting towards him, but it, the facts are that, is that we haven't been able to rely on him when, when we've needed him for the last sort of you know four four five years. So yeah, I do. I, I think I think at the minute it does it does look great, and I really do. Um, and I really I, you know I've, I've got everything crossed that he can be a, be a part of it. And and I think you know he was he was part of it last season. Um, but I just I just think sometimes if we if we're thinking this is what our our first choice bench is in my head I take storage out and think is that still good enough and I think it probably isn't I think probably one one attacking player short if you take storage out. There's I'll come back to it, Adam. The, there is the the idea for me is you can see him you can see how he functions through the middle you can see how he functions both up top and you can see how he can function in behind and he's done a couple of interviews where he's actually mentioned that he's mm. he's looking at his role and what he what he's asking of himself. In this game, what struck me was, again, there was a real flexibility in terms of him coming deep, allowing someone else to go, go and sit into that position, moving himself around a little bit. And I just sort of wonder whether or not, you mentioned last season, whether or not last season 
he was spending maybe a bit too much of the time trying to trying to play play on his terms a little bit, and maybe now he, he may well be trying to play on ours mm. a tiny little bit more. That might be unfair. It might be that if, he, if he's listening to this, he might think, no, 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 I was all right with that last season. But I do wonder if that that means that he can therefore find a way to get more regular games. And my other thing as well with him is, you know, we do have our first game in, in next to no time at all yeah, now. Yeah. Firmino does re- rejoin the squad today, but you do think that there's an opportunity there for Sturridge to maybe say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start the first home game. Yeah, it's the Firmino factor really. And I think that was what it was last season is that is that we before before we really found our rhythm, which had to include Firmino every, every game pretty much when, when we really found our mojo, there was a bit of chopping and changing between him and, him and Sturridge. And I think that a year, on we're definitely you know that pecking order has been established for me and as our most important you know attacking player in terms of how we work as a team um, and I think I don't think Sturridge minds that I think you know as you say that, that, that I think he's okay to fit around that now and I do think that there is there is a role for him in the first part of this season um, and and it would it would be best if it was that that kind of dropping deep because the one thing that I think we can Firmly say now it's definitely a factor that he hasn't got his pace anymore, um, so he can't he can't do the, those things. Um, but yeah, I think I think there is there's, there's, there's a role for him to play, and I, I would be interested to I'd be interested to see whether he does start against West Ham. Um, I think I think he does. Uh, Jones and Camacho, Ian, uh, again both get a bit of time at right back uh, in this game, and again that's part of my sort of how everyone seems to understand how this team operates. Camacho played. A lot of pre-season at right back, um, and that's why he's had his opportunity and that's why he's impressed. Jones fills in there in this one because Klein's gone home and Gomez is playing centre back because of where Matip is. So that's the way in which that ends up playing out for the team. But again, uh, the pair of them have have done themselves absolutely no harm whatsoever right the way across this pre-season. Not least showing that flexibility for the manager, you think, but also being able to impress him technically. It's interesting after the match, he he, he singled both out for praise. Yeah, it's um, the, the two players I've not seen enough of yet. I've not watched them come up, up up the ranks. The bits I've seen, they both look very, very effective. I mean, obviously, Camacho was getting very far forward. He, he's playing playing the Trent role, basically, at that point. Um, so I don't know Camacho's history. I don't know where he was playing for the under-19s, under-23s. They moved them all over the pitch. They so, they moved have, they, so, yeah, he's, he's more comfortable as a wide midfielder, wide forward, but he's, he's ended up getting time in a number of different places. But that's your total football, isn't it? That, that's your idea of you learn everything and you, you find your true position at some point. But they've clearly, in the absence of Trent this year, they're the two who've had a chance to, to really show themselves in pre-season. So the two that you can see... Possibly not stepping up this season as Trent stepped up last season, but possibly a season down the line and certainly getting some time this season. They, they, they do look... There's no talk of them moving away. Well, I was about to say that's genuinely you've segued in. We're going to talk about the outs in a minute, Adam, but one of the things that strikes me is neither of them are on the list, neither of them are on the list from the, from the point of view of loans either, which does make you think that the manager, he at least wants to have his eye on them. Uh, even if it's not the idea mm. that they're going to be getting 10, 10, 12 starts. It's a different, I think it's a different story for the different players. The one you haven't mentioned is, is Nat Phillips, actually. And I think I think he's the other one where, in a, in a, in a similar but different way to Camacho, he's he's surprised everybody, I think, or surprised me. Uh, I can't speak for everybody. I think he's, he's, I think, he's surprised the manager as well, I think, the manager said Yeah, that. and that, that's sort of why I mentioned him. So I think Curtis Jones is on target. He's, he's pretty much where we'd expect him to be. And I, and I think that he may get some minutes this season, but you, you wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Camacho, it's almost like an opportunity has, has sprung up in a particular position and he's impressed there. Um, and so I think he's 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 maybe, you know, jumped jump ahead, jumped ahead a couple of 
places, months, you know, whatever, because there is because there is an opportunity at, at fullback, and he's looked really, really good. Um, he's, he looked like he's, he wouldn't be you, you wouldn't be too worried about him if if he did have to get dropped in. Um, and Nat, Nat Phillips, it's really it's an interesting thing actually with with Nat Phillips because. Klopp was talking about him in the same breath as, as as Gomez, almost as if you know he's almost he's almost there in that race there with 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 Joe Gomez, because I think Gomez went backwards last season. I don't, I don't think he was fit for that for any of the season. Oh, sorry, the early part of the season after he got injured, though, I don't really think he got back, and I think that that was a bit slower than I was expecting. I, was, I, I wasn't that impressed with him when he came back in. I think he basically needed an operation all year. And yeah, he'd, he'd yeah. Been waited and waited, and he had been he'd not been playing anywhere near fitness. Yeah, and so so I think that the um, that there's. Possibly that was the, the, the manager. Part of the reason the manager saying that is to let Gomez know that there's someone snapping at his heels because that's what it felt like a bit. And I was really impressed with Phillips, um, Manny and Salah. I was really impressed with them, Dan, and I was impressed with them in both games. It's because last season now, sort of when a season finishes, you end up you end up sort of grouping it all together, and you end up you, you know you've got your highs, you've got your big moments, you've got your Champions League run, mm-hmm. and what you do is you sort of take the highs if you're being positive and you extrapolate them backwards. The other thing that you do is that you can take the lows and you can extrapolate them backwards. But my point is more well, a season by its very nature, it, it it's not linear. It's not like everyone constantly improves, and it's not like people go up or down. It it is that you know the different things happen at different times, and I think what strikes me now with with these two is. They both went up a level during last season uh, in different ways and at different stages, but they both went up a level, both Mane and Salah. And they've come back, and what I've seen in the preseason games is they look pretty much as sharp as they looked at their sharpest, which I would say possibly coincided at different points of the season. But now they're together at the start at that level and that greater degree of presence. They look like two footballers who go, yeah, we know we're this good now. It's, it's not it's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's interesting about Mane is that you, you mentioned that we look back on them and, and think that they probably had a both, both greats had a superb season and, and really happy with them. But people were arguing over Mane whether Mane was playing well probably until about March, I think, yeah. um, which I, I personally would have disagreed with. But it it. it it was a thing that was happening until pretty much we played City, I think. Before Christmas, it, it was definitely a thing. Yeah, and then it, it seemed to go on afterwards. I think Porto quietened it a little bit, but I, I think it went on until about March. Um, they peaked around about the Everton not passing and trying to take the shot on. I think that was the point where people... Yeah, were I mean, I remember it. It was, it was, it was is, he, is he affected by the, uh, by the Salah coming in? Is, is that knocked his, you know, is, is knocked his ego? Is it the red card? Is he carrying an injury? Is it because he's playing on the other side? Is he just rubbish? <laughs> I think. I think. Go on. And obviously he's not. But that was that was the conversation before Christmas. I think part of why um, people generally accepted that he'd improved an awful lot towards the end of the season, and part of why I would say definitely that he was playing better, was um, I think his role changed a little bit. And I think when we went to the Stadio Olimpico and he and he played there, that was probably the, the sharpest example of it. In that it felt more like with Coutinho then absent. He was playing deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing less as an out and out winger and more of someone who was occupying a wide area, but playing as like a ten or an eight or, or, or something like that. He was a link between midfield and attack, whereas I think before he was very much an attacker, barreling through the lines. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and what what I would sort of expect from them both at this point, because I think it's it's hard for them to be better players. Certainly from Hamilton, it's hard to be a better footballer than you were last year. I think it's about almost rounding your game off and being a bit more versatile. Because I think there were times last season where he played down the middle and they both played down the middle at West Ham away and did really, really well. But there were times toward the end of the season, and tiredness was probably a factor as well, where we ended up having to play Salah down the middle a few times. 
Um, and he just was a bit less effective. It wasn't that he was not playing well, it was just that he was a bit less good there. And I think for, for both of them now, it's about rounding the game off so that when there's space in the team, if, for example, Firmino isn't playing and sort of just out injured and we need someone to play down the middle, that one of them can take that and be just as good. Because Manny used to play down the middle himself for Southampton quite a bit. We haven't really used him there at yeah. all. Um, but he used to, he, he scored that hat-trick in three minutes or whatever it was, playing for, that, playing for Southampton against Aston Villa down the middle. Um, and I, I think what you want to see from them this season is, and it, it comes into to what we've been saying about Chiquiri and that we've seen him play a lot more centrally than I think any of us would have expected him to play. I think he wants to pretty much have them four capable of playing any of the three roles um, because it just makes you more versatile. It makes you able to shape up in different ways. We spoke earlier about how it's maybe a slightly different setup this time around. It's maybe not quite as rigid a 4-3-3 as what it was before, even though you probably wouldn't have called it rigid anyway. There's a bit more fluidity to it now. I, I think it's about not necessarily making them better players because it's hard to do so. It's just about making them be able to do different things for him. And, and that's what his whole philosophy seems to be based upon. I mean, he's brought number 10s in before and he's ended up playing Ginny Wijnaldum at centre-half at times. I, th- I, th- I think it's very much about having footballers who've got base abilities and then him moulding them to being able to, to do loads of different things at once. You mentioned there what I see from the main and what I see straight away. There's the, What Manchester City did last season was they've sent a real message out to everybody. What they've said is, we're capable of doing this. Um, the 100 points, but also the speed with which they hit the ground running, basically. The fact that they're over the hill and far away come October. Yeah. That Manny and Salah have both come back, and as I say, they both look sharp, they both look strong, they both look, as Dan says, like they are trying to round themselves off a little bit more. They're looking like they're trying to step up. It's as though, you know, and, and again, from conversations had around um, while we were over in the, in, in the United States, it did not feel to me like Liverpool are, are so focused on 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 ensuring that they're not they're not out of it come the twelfth game of the season. They're so focused on these first four. They're so focused on we we cannot you know we 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 cannot lose ground early. It's what happened last season. We need to play our best football pretty much from minute one. I think completely. I think it is again. It this ties back into what we saw against United with the fluidity and the flexibility of everybody. Everybody knows the job, but everybody has a fairly fluid job. Um, I think we started to see the best of Sadio last season when we really embedded Andy Robbo in the side. As soon as he realised he's got that pace, because Andy will t- well, Andy will hug the touchline, he becomes that Sadio becomes that ten at that point, mm-hmm. which then gives us that flexibility. That we're basically there were times we were playing a four one four one. There were times we were basically playing a four two four, and I think we'll see a lot more of that this season because that flexibility does destroy teams. And if we can do that from the start, and if we've got a fully fit Daniel Sturridge to start. And then Bobby Firmino coming back in, and if we can, if we can take lads out, we're not bending them out at the beginning of the season, which gives us, it gives us the momentum from day one. And if we, if we, as you said, hit the ground running against West Ham, we can build from there because we know what we are now. We spent last season finding out what we are. There's still players to come back, Adam. And one of the I things. Just, can I just say one thing on Salah? Go on. Just uh, because I think the one thing that that I. Of, of, I, might, I might be reaching here. I do tend to sometimes be a bit epic in my mind and reach for things that might not be there. But I think that um, something about how he looks and how how fresh he is and how sharp he, he's come back, I think he's fuming. And and I think that that goes on along with what Klopp said about Klopp's just come out and talked about the final and talked about Ramos. And I think there might be a little bit of a story that they're telling each other about. I don't know whether you want to call it like a bit of a revenge mission or, you know, however you'd say it. But I think they're taking something about that 
that hurts, and uh, and, and they're they're, they're going to use that this season. Um, I I think that I can see that in Salah. I think I think there's a real grit in his teeth and like right, you know, taking this season by the scruff of the neck, and if possible, taking Ramos by the scruff of the neck at some point in the semis or something. Uh, I I I think that that when Klopp came out and said that, it struck me that I'd thought that about some, about how Salah looked. And I think that that's a story that privately they might be telling themselves. I was thinking this this morning, I was listening to the Pink. I think that there's a great thing to be said here about Salah's mental attitude towards this. Because it would have been very easy for your Mohamed Salah to have an incredible season last yeah. season. But to have your Champions League final end in that way, and then for your country, and you being basically the emblem of the country yeah, yeah. for your World Cup to be he's had that world, much he's had his World Cup ruined, and it was a massive moment for the yeah. country. It's, it's not, a massive, massive moment. You know that the yeah. weight of the country is on your shoulders, yeah. and you know that your shoulders just being done by this lad in the Champions League final. If you feel that, it would be very easy for you to come back dispirited, and he's come back firing. You know, that 90-second clip that you see of the first game where you've got, what was it, 52 seconds from him coming on the pitch to score on the goal. His movement is incredible. Clip. His focus is incredible. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of film yeah, I've ever seen great. in my life. It's a, it's like watching the Zidane film. You can see, I think, I think it's probably that that I've taken it from. You can see it in his eyes. Yeah, he's got it. He's, he's got the absolute hunger yeah. to make sure that the end of last season is made right for him. I think you might not be alone in that. And, you know, I've mentioned Mane there as well. I think there's a real sort of a sense that they played great stuff last season and they didn't get to lift anything up. And that, that you know, that, 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 I think that could be a part of this, that we, we we went through all this, boys. We were brilliant. We made these people this happy. But we didn't get the moment which we wanted, which was mm. that we get to lift this thing up. So mm. we're all still we're all still here. We're all still together. We're all still in our pomp. So let's let, let's really, really do it. But And I think that comes back into the idea of what we're not doing is we're not losing anything early. We're not losing anything in the, yeah. the early part of this season. We're going to absolutely hit them hard and then I think Adam there's something in the idea that he may well have coalesced the lads who are coming back who've all been around early with the idea that they've maybe got a they've got a shoulder the burden for the first sort of six seven games of this season that this team's your team for six or seven games here not the idea of get your place and keep it but more the idea of in this early run, we need you. Mm. It's really, it's really exciting to, to to. It will be really exciting to see how that develops over the next um, the next couple of friendlies, actually, because there are still big players there to come back, and we don't know really how many of them will. The, the, we don't know whether whether Henderson, Firmino, will will you know will will play any part. They might be given the rest completely. You'd expect the keeper to to, to start as of the next game. Um, but yeah, I, I I I do agree, and I think I, I hope they've had um, I, hope, I hope they they've had a, a mental break because sometimes but the, the, I suppose what we're talking about is 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 bouncing straight back into it, and we talk about mental stress a lot in football, and I hope they have given themselves a break from that disappointment, and then obviously the World Cup. Um, but I think that the. The, the lads that weren't involved, the Milners and and um, and 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 the other the other players who didn't who didn't go, have have really they look like they're they're, they're stepping up and they're ready to to shoulder that burden of those you know the first games before the international break. There's on that list of players still to come back in, Dan. It's you know it is an impressive list. Uh, there's Lovren, there's Henderson, there's Trent, um, Firmino mentioned back should be back today. Allison back. That Kaita doesn't play under the radar. Kaita under the radar. Kaita the last couple of friendlies. There's it is a striking list of 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 players to come, and you you are beginning to think, well, this you can see that it's taking shape. I mean, a lot of this, but we're we're raising ourselves towards ending this 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 conversation about expectations. But you are able to say, you know, this this is a team. This is a team that now has been built. Um, 
Add, and that has been built, has been amended, has been added to, and now finds itself in a position where we're actually getting to see that because of this mig- slow migration of players come back. And you can end up going, you know what, he might just have 25 really good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's the reason that Manchester City was so far ahead of everyone last season. And it was, if they took one out, it was Bernardo Silva coming in. Or if they took one out, Gabriel Jesus was playing or Aguero was on the bench. It's 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 the incredible depth of them was was simply too much, I think, for anyone else to deal with. Because they did lose Mendy, didn't they, early on? And it didn't yeah, matter because didn't matter. they were, they were, able, is, they were able to buy a fifty-five million pound centre yeah. back and play yeah. him at left back for yeah. a bit, and they just got through that patch. Mm. Um, or or, or Delph is a perfectly good footballer can just slot in there and do your job, and it's only left back, so it's not that important. Um, we got to the Champions League final last season with a, a fantastic first eleven, probably nine or ten of whom were in the form of their lives. But there was nothing to come off the bench. When we needed one goal, when we needed two goals, at the end we were bringing Emre Chan on, who he wasn't even fully fit, and and we knew he was leaving by that stage. Um, the the one forward that we had on the bench, we obviously didn't think would make a difference. The the sheer change between then, which I mean, getting off that bus from Kiev only feels like a week ago to me, but it's it's less than two months really, isn't it? Um, the, the change from then to now, just looking through them, and again, you know, if we're counting Sturridge in this, it might be that he's injured or. It might be that some of these lads aren't fit for the, the start of the season or that once it gets underway, they're, they're not available for different reasons. But if you, if you just take it as a list, if you take it as, as, as a list of, of footballers, I, I don't think there's a, a genuinely stronger squad than it left anymore. I think you could nitpick over, over us and Man City and go, well, would you have Sterling or Mane or, and, and stuff like that? But I think that I think that we're in a position now where as long as people are fit, as long as they're available, the first 11 in the bench is of... A depth and a quality that, that should be able to compete for every trophy on offer. Does it need one more? I think in an ideal world it, it does. Well, actually, in an ideal world, I think it needs three. Really, if I, if I was being, you know, if money wasn't an object and I could pick whoever, I, I would still prefer them to have a different backup goalkeeper just without the baggage because I think it just means it's not an issue anymore. Um, ideally, I would get a different centre half into the Joel matter, just who's a bit more reliable both in terms of fitness and on the pitch. But one, as an actual first-team player, I, I still would like a really good forward just because um, we've been f- very fortunate last year in that we had very, very little absence of front, either through suspension or injury. The season before was the opposite in that when Mane was missing, we were looking at it and, and just crying out for some pace. I remember genuinely suggesting playing Alberto Moreno as part of a front, front three and just telling him to run. Um, so so the, the difference between 16-17 front line and 17-18 front line, even though there's not that much actual addition to it, was, was really strong. And I just think that it would be really remiss of us to get back into a situation where two of them are out for six weeks at the same time and then suddenly you go and should we have kept a league should we have kept in and you don't want to be in, you don't want to be in that it's, conversation with yourself so it, I, I think that if there's a player available if there's someone that they think fits their remit of who they want because we, we all know that they're not just going to go we could do with another one who can we get for 40 mil or something and then just spend it on someone for the sake of it but if there's someone that they Darren genuinely Bent. think <laughs> if there's someone that they genuinely think can make a, a proper difference over the course of a number of years that they could reasonably try and get I would still prefer them to do that City have got um, Ian City have got they've got Jesus they've got Aguero they've got uh, Sane they've got Sterling they've got Mares, and they use Bernardo Silva that's six yeah. Silva may, Bernardo Silva himself may feel more comfortable maybe in a deeper line sort of midfield role but that's six if we're kind and we include bonus storage we're currently sitting on five uh, I think Solanke it feels again possibly like it could be another year too early although you, you are expecting at some point to see him to see him kick on I am of the view that you know 
if there's the front three, then it then it's Shakiri and Sturridge, both of whom, you know, Shakiri did really well at the weekend, but both of whom have got question marks around them to some degree, um, in different ways maybe. But the idea of one more, I think, would just it would just sort of cap the summer, it cap the season and 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 it it make you feel as though, you know, we're not it would make you feel for the first time in a long time like we haven't lost an arms race. Yeah, I think th- for me, again, I, I think too. I'd like to see two come in. I think obviously we went to the summer very heavily going for Fakir. We've got Fakir signed. We've got photos of him. We've got videos of him. We've got the interviews with him. We wanted a lad in that position. We haven't got him. We haven't got anybody else in that position. We're not saying Shakiri is the player in that position because we were signing Shakiri at the same time. So we should be looking at a lad in that position. I would imagine, although everyone says it's dead, my gut feeling is still we go back for the lad. There's something that can be done there. If we want him that badly, there's a reason that we want him. But also, Chelsea are supposedly in talks with Pulisic. If Chelsea are in talks with Pulisic, we need to be in talks with Pulisic. I'd like to see Fakir and Pulisic come in. If we could get both those, that's an incredible summer. If it's one or the other, I think we need to go for Pulisic because he's the lad for the front. I, it seems to me, Adam, that it's quite a... I, I, I did think Fakir would happen. I'm now sceptical Fakir would happen because I think it would now be further along. Uh, I think I think you know as, as it's a week or something. I expected it back. to happen straight after the World Cup. Yeah, I expected it to happen then or I thought it would be happening whilst we were in the States and yeah. I thought it would go from there and that it hasn't and that they've been so adamant that it isn't going to makes me, makes me think that it probably won't. There is something in, in though, it is worth saying that because... There were videos done because, as Ian said, yeah. you know, it was all done and dusted that they, they did want that one more. They basically made it crystal clear to the world that they wanted that one more. So it's, it is unreasonable to, to think that there still might be somebody that they're out there, they're out there trying to shop for. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the pendulum, the likely pendulum, the, the Fakir sort of swingometer for me sort of has tipped towards the, the, the don't think it's going to happen, just like you've said, really, Neil. Um, I think that, that the briefings that have come out have stopped being neutral and gone a bit more negative. And I think that it would there'd be quite a lot of cycling back from that that position now. I think I think questions would be asked about about it, about what we've been saying, what we've been briefing if we now did sign him. Um having said that, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's impossible. And whenever that there could be something else. Someone else could say something today, and I'd be back towards thinking it might happen. Um, so, uh, but the main point, I suppose, is is that we were that was it, it, that was the main thing we were trying to do, wasn't it? Before everything else, the main thing we were we were doing was 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 getting somebody for that position, whether it be Fakir or or somebody else. You know, the the kind of Coutinho replacement, I guess, uh, it, not literally, but in 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 the in the terms of importance and places that that that, that position positions that that player can play. Um, so. And, and it's it's really it, the, the the Pulisic thing is really interesting to me because I think I was uh, sort of ribbing you, Neil, about how you were kind of a, on a one man Pulisic bandwagon for ages, and I was saying that I thought that, that it was possibly just because it really it felt very it felt almost too neat in terms of him being you know the next American thing, you know Dortmund links the, the, the sort of front three kind of player that he might turn into, and so it. it but it feel I don't know whether it feels like he's kind of almost being foisted on us now. It's weird. I think I think that um, that that he's definitely a player that Klopp likes. But I also think that he would equal he would he would be probably a bigger gamble than any any signing we've done since Klopp's been in, in terms of where he is for that money for that money and for his output as as it as it stands. 
I I don't think you could I don't think you could say that any other player we've signed is is as would be would would be would as much of a gamble as he is, and I think it's literally in, in the balance there because of that at the moment. It's it's a numbers game uh, when you get right down to it. One of my lines all the way through, Dan, the last two seasons really with different players Liverpool have bought has been that when you look at the numbers, you'd have been happy enough with last season's numbers. That last season's numbers would be fine. You know, we played thirty five million for salary, scored one and two that season for Roma. Uh, Mane was was double figures league goals for Southampton. I think again just better, a little bit better than one in three, and have been the year before that as well. That I've always sort of said if you you're paying for the previous year's performance. The strange thing about Pulisic is that you know he's he's not got ten league goals across three seasons playing for Borussia Dortmund. He's actually only got nine, uh, and then nine in total. Nine in total, yeah, yeah across okay, his three yeah, seasons really playing for not. Borussia Dortmund. And Fakir got twenty last season. Twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two mm-hmm. league goals. And so you and it, you know if and that's why the you do think that maybe Dortmund have when it, when. This price tag thing came out. There were some people thinking, "Well, my word, that might be the, that the encouragement Liverpool have been waiting for." The flip side is, it may well be that that's Dortmund's prohibitive figure that they're putting on, not just for Liverpool but for everyone to say, "What well, you want to spend this much on a lad who's not got ten league goals?" Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of think the same. To be honest, I've not seen an awful lot of them actually playing football. To be honest, I think I've, I've read more about them being linked with Liverpool and actually seen them play. Um, but I, I don't think, for example, that if they were interested in. Obviously, they were interested in Fakir. I don't think that necessarily Pulisic would be seen as an alternative to that once instead. Um, a lot of it based on those numbers, I suppose. If, if they were to be interested in him, what they might think is that, well, he's 19, he's he's pretty much on track for, for a lad that's um, looking to play as a front three player and, and, and score goals. It's not... It's not like you'd expect them to have a load of them. You'd probably expect them to have slightly more than that. And you'd assume that they would think, well, he's going to be playing with a load of lads that are better than what he's got at Dortmund currently, a load of lads that we've already improved and, and could fit into that. But I think that it's I think it's still a really sharp jump. I think he's a player that as opposed to being a part of, of that front three that already exists, he'd be he'd be very much a second choice to them for now. It's all it, you could see if if maybe Mane had gone to Real or something this summer. Uh, or maybe even if he does go next summer, you know it's that it's it's that kind of you'd, you'd think it's that sort of player that would be stepping up to replace really. And I know I hate I hate that sort of talk about you know when people think you, every player you've got to buy goes straight into the, mm-hmm. the, the 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 first eleven, but there's something there about about how he he could be the sort of player that would end up replacing somebody like Mane. Yeah, I, I don't think he would be a, a, a first team. You know, actually starting week in week out for Liverpool at this point, um, and that means then that. Is is he the one that you want to spend sixty five million quid on? If he's going to be probably competing with Chiquiri as first man off the bench, or competing with Chiquiri for the spot in the team when someone's injured, um, I'm also not convinced that he could play down the middle or as a ten, which primarily is what Fakir I think would have done. So I think that I, I don't know where the story has come from or if the Chelsea interest is genuine, but the the, the market and stuff makes sense. You know, if the owners wanted them because it was it was help from a. a financial point of view then I would completely understand that um, and obviously the, the whole world expects him to go on to be a really good footballer but I'm just not convinced that he would make a genuine really positive difference to this current Liverpool squad at this moment in time and that makes me doubt therefore that the manager would be willing to spend that amount of money on him I think the fact that Jürgen tried to sign him two years ago when he was still 17 um, would indicate how much for he believes million. for 30 million then. And 30 million then is probably the equivalent of 80 now rather than 65. So 65 is probably a better deal for us than 30 was then in terms of the way global transfers have gone post Neymar. Um, my cousin's a, a soccer coach in the States on the Eastern Seaboard. Um, he's 
a very, very high level over there. And when the links were were first discussed, I was like, well, what do you think? This Pulisic lad, he's like, yeah, he's, he should come to Liverpool because he has really, really got it. He's got the potential to be anything he wants. Um, I've not seen a huge amount of him either. I know him by reputation more. He scored three goals last season. He scored two against us last week. Um, and would have been mad the match if it wasn't for the fact that he isn't old enough to be mad the match in something that's sponsored by an alcohol company. So he's, I think if you're looking at him going 65 million, right, well, if we go for 65 million now, what would he be in two years' time? And in two years' time when he's 22, what kind of player would he be if we were looking at, you know, how old's, how old's Bobby now? 26? So in three years' time, he's 29. Is he the lad that goes into the front three, already established, already broken into the Premier League? Is he the lad that you bring on 70 minutes now? And is he a better step up than anyone else that we've already got? And for my money, just on reputation and on what the coach already thinks of him, um, he is a better prospect than Solanke. So I think, you know, if he's there, if Chelsea are making a move, we have to make the move. Okay. Um, On the expectations then across the the, the whole campaign, (laughs) Dan, you said something before about challenging for honours and going all the way we always, always, you always need to be careful in football not to set yourself up for a fall we could just simply have a bad October and that happens that's happened to Liverpool sides in the past that's happened to all football teams in the past you can have a bad October in current climate a bad October if we've got a tough Champions League group and Manchester City do what they did last season there's every chance that you could find yourself no longer getting through the Champions League and and basically finding yourselves 12 points behind City if you just have a bad October it's worth it's worth pointing that out but simultaneously, the flip side of it is that, you know, the question I'm asking you is, should there be any limits to our expectations? No, I don't think so. Um, obviously, an awful lot of it depends on the context. If we remain 30th in the European Cup, we can conceivably end up with a group where we play Barcelona and, and um, Borussia Dortmund and Celtic. And, and if you get knocked out, you go, well, disappointed, but sort of fair enough. Um, and... Again, City did it last season. Chelsea did it the season before, where teams just won. I think what did City win twenty in a row or something? It's Nineteen or twenty. 19 or 20. Yeah. Chelsea did fourteen in a row. Um, if we're not the ones setting that pace, and if someone else is, then, then you just have to go. All right, you're a really good football team, and we can't compete with you, and we just have to try and go for second. But at this moment in time, before any of that has happened, there's no reason why. From pretty much every way you look at it, whether it's in terms of the quality of the players that we've got, the depth of the players that we've got, um, the manager, and just the general vibe around the place and the togetherness and, and, and unity of, of supporters, owners, playing staff and, and management. There's no reason why this can't be a, a, one of the most successful of pool seasons, certainly, that I've ever seen and, and, and possibly ever. I think that there's no point saying that we've got to win a trophy because... Again, it all depends on context. And if we win the League Cup, does that satisfy everyone? If we finish fourth again in the league and, and get knocked out of the group stage of the European Cup, um, so I don't think I don't think it's it's we've got to do this or we've got to do that. I think it's just we've got to push on from the previous season, and that again can be completely subjective. That can mean maybe getting to a European Cup quarter final, but challenging more to, um, can consistently for the league title and maybe finishing second or something but what I'm looking from for it is is to feel like it's a Liverpool team that is still carrying its momentum with it and and still having fun while it's doing it and and lets me enjoy myself when I go because I mean we, we, we spoke about United before I think not not just specifically then but apart from Man City the rest of the English sides that we're going to be competing with domestically this season none of them should be having as much fun as us um, they've all got their own demons that are fighting in various ways um, and just from just from what we took from last season I, I really think that 
we should just be enjoying ourselves loads more, whether that's on the pitch, whether that's us in the stands. And I, I genuinely think that the positive order around us can can push us a long way. I think a lot of the reason why Belgium and, and England did so well in the World Cup was that they were just having a laugh. They just looked like they were really enjoying themselves. Loads of teams that felt like they had more pressure on or or had more sort of work to do, Brazil and, and teams like that just were less successful first and foremost, but also just didn't look like they were having a good time at a World Cup, which is sort of the whole point of it. Um, and I think that's kind of translating. I think it translated from the European Cup last season into into the World Cup in that teams are a lot more carefree. Teams that are successful anyway are a lot more carefree, I think. Um, and that, to me, sets us up in a very good place to go into next season. And there's no reason why we can't win things, but I don't think we should specify what we have to win. We should just enjoy it. Um, just one, one last thing there is... The other thing as part of that is we we can't control to, to, to apart from twice a season what for instance Man City do. Yeah. We can't control that, we can't influence it. We can we can hope that there's that that they knock off, but we can't control it. And I think that that's trying to find a way to make our peace with that and as supporters through the season could well become important, both positively, both in a positive situation and in a negative situation, if you know what I mean, in that, you know, if City do stumble and we are taking advantage of that stumble, then, you know, it's it's, it's all the more, it's all the greater reason for celebration. But the flip side of it is that if they don't, if they if they show the strength, if Guardiola again fulfills his how to get a 100 points brief, mm-hmm. then there is, we are going to have to sort of find a way to sort of say, well, that, that thing's happening over there. This is our thing here and we're working with it. Yeah, well, essentially, I think what the target that they will set behind closed doors will be a points target. Klopp will sit down with the rest of the coaches and go, this is what we're going to try and get to here. And that will be good enough for whatever it is. There's been loads of talk in the last few days about the total that Man United got last season in a typical season being enough to win the league. But in reality, they were absolutely nowhere near and no was anyone, no, neither was anyone else. I think it's... I think it's a case of them sitting down and going, right, we try and get to 85 or we try and get to 90. And we see where we are and... and you can't affect what anybody else does. But there's also, at this stage, we've, we mentioned the depth of the squad and stuff. If Liverpool hit the ground running, there would be no reason why Liverpool couldn't do what City did and what Chelsea did in the seasons before and to an extent what Leicester did before that, where you're just top of the league by 10 points for pretty much all of it. And there's weeks where it drops down to a seven-point gap but it goes up to 11 or 12. But you, you get over the line, you just you keep doing the same thing, win most of your games, drawing the odd one. That's what these teams have done in the past few years. There's no reason why Liverpool can't do that. Um, obviously, 100, I think, would be, would be pushing it at this stage. But I think they will sit behind closed doors and say, we need to get to this amount of points. Don't worry about anyone else, we'll do us. It's... Wild, Ian, to think that we've got to sit here and talk about basically the target being a 90-point season. I think in years gone by, we'd have said it's a 80, break 80, see where you are. Mm-hmm. I think, Ian, now this the last league goes on 100, season before it goes on 93. I think we're now sitting in a situation where we're all looking at each other saying, yep, okay, if you want to win this now, you're going to have to break 90, and that'll be yeah. the plan that he's working on. Yeah, completely. And I think I think it's notable, some we haven't mentioned, in the, this calendar year, we have built the best spine that Liverpool has had in over a decade. We've got a spine. We've been looking for a spine for a long time. We actually have the perfect spine now, or what looks on paper the perfect spine. We've got a way of challenging it. As the oldest person in this room by quite some distance and being quite greedy, uh, Dan's not willing to specify. I'm going to specify. I want the league and I want the Champions League this season. I think we've got the squads to it. I think one more addition, possibly two, a striker, a, a midfielder, number 10 comes striker, I think we can do it. I want revenge on Real Madrid. And I want the league. I think also part of City's fantastic run is what they do to us at Main Road. Sorry, the Etihad early on. If we win that game, which we were more than capable of doing until Mad- until Mane is sending off, 
their league season could look completely different because their momentum has stopped at that point because we could have taken them apart with, te- with 11 men on the pitch. We couldn't with 10 men and we gave up after half time. So there are those moments that can tip you. That, that's one of those tipping points that actually changes an entire season for you. Moments is interesting because I was about to say that the, the higher you make the points total, Adam, the more, you know, if the, the points total that you expect to need, the, the more it becomes a roll of a dice out, mm. out of 38 games. You know, if you're thinking you've got to win 29 as a minimum uh, and one side gets two last-minute winners and doesn't win 29 but wins 31, mm. you know, this is this is elite sport in the absolute margins. Yeah, thinking about, I, I don't know, thinking about 90 at this stage feels like I'm not sure whether that's useful for the group of players. And I, I know the manager will, but I'm not sure. I, I think the way that we break it down to in, into, into groups of games is more like what he'll be doing with the players. It occurs to me, actually, that... that, um, that, that in these these shows, you know, we've got a period of time behind us now doing these shows. And I remember last season saying during during the transfer window, possibly on a gutter show or something, about how I felt like if we got all of our business done, we'd we'd win something. And we didn't. I, I think we didn't. We we didn't get Van Dyke. We didn't get Cater. Uh, that was who we were talking about at the time. We got the others. And, and I sort of we we were saying like if we get one, then we might. And you know, we, then if we get none, then we won't. That was how I was thinking of it. And we got one halfway through out of those two that were missing and and we nearly did um and i agree actually with with ian and i think that um i've said even though it's mad because of how many points ahead of us they finished i think that if we'd got van dyke in the summer we would have we would have upset city we would have done something i don't know whether we would have got there but there would have been more pressure on them they would have felt a bit a bit of somebody breathing down their neck which they didn't all season so that's sort of sort of how i am with them and us i think that in terms of expectations Another thing that I always kind of say is that what 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 we want is to get better every year, um, and I think we we've got better every year since since Klopp's been in. We can say that it's that, that it's something that we've done, and I think uh, the other thing to say is that that gets harder every year. It gets really it gets more difficult to measure progress because you know eventually you're the best team in the world and everyone else has given up and they have to send a team from Mars and all that. So um, yeah, so it's and and I and I think that that we are in the business of taking as, as few risks as possible to get better. And I think we, I think that, that we've done really well this summer and I don't think we are, we are hostages to fortune, really. In, in, I think that, that we do need to do one more bit of business, as I've said, but I think that, that we have prepared for success this season. And I'm really, I'm, I'm more excited than I can remember being, you know, two weeks before a season started. And I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous by the time it starts in terms of my excitement levels. <laughs> um, but, and, and, um, and I, you know, there's, there's a chance there that we could have our best of a team and not win anything, which would be a real shame. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a clear and present danger this season. Uh, I, think, I think we are, we are going to have a, a load of fun, whatever happens. And um, some, I've been having this thought going around my mind about an old-fashioned double. So that's what I'm going to say. Just an old-fashioned double. Just yeah. the, the league and FA Cup double there. The league cup's annoying. I can, that, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that one in the bin. Don't want a two-legged semi in February. Do me, I didn't. Honestly, uh, <laughs> the extent that you do do not want a two-legged semi in the winter, in the bleak winter uh, that we all have a lovely time. We'll have a lovely time right the way through. Listen, you can enjoy it all with us at the Anfield Wrap. Uh, all of our subscription stuff, our interview with Jürgen Klopp, our interview with Andy Robertson, all of the transfer stuff that we've been doing, reviews and previews of every game, the season properties on the horizon. It's mad that City are playing the Charity Shield next weekend with a, with a gang of toddlers and Chelsea's manager's only been in the job for about two minutes. It's absolutely mad, but that is what's happening. That is football this season, football this year. The Championship starts 
genuinely championship starts on Friday night. Um, it's it's absolutely crackers. Uh, I mean, I just I'm like, oh. don't, don't tell everyone we're ready. That doesn't just because nobody else is. Yeah, know, don't tell them uh, we are ready. And just because nobody else is, it is one of them. That is the Anfield Rap in association with Reds Bet. Sports Social Podcast Network.